0: Well, good morning, good morning. Isn't that an awesome video? I love that video. I've watched it a couple times now, and every time I watch it, uh, it seems to get like a little dusty wherever I am. My contacts are messing up or something, I don't know, but you know, my eyes get a little watery. It's an awesome video, but that's, that's what today is about. Today is Orphan Sunday, and we uh, we did this last year for the very first time. We celebrated this, and we've been... You know, we as a church have worked in foster care and orphan care for a while, but last year we really celebrated this day. And this is not just us, uh, but on the second Sunday in November, churches across the nation and really across the world do this together. And it's really a time where we call Christians and call the church to get involved in the life of orphans, to get involved in the life of those in need. And so that's what we are here doing and talking about today. My name is Taryn Howell, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I am so grateful to be here with you this morning. Normally, Rick is up here speaking, but I told him I'd like to speak today, and he obliged partly because this is his anniversary weekend, so that kind of worked out, but, uh, you know, it's something I'm very passionate about. But I want to welcome you and also welcome everybody online. We are so grateful that you are here with us today. Savannah mentioned the bucket's up here, and she went over it very well. The warning I got about ringing the doorbell I can very much relate to because I've got a lot of kids, but the, the warning was not just if you ring the doorbell and wake it up, that's, a, that's not a good thing, but if you ring the doorbell and wake the children up, you then have to take care of the children. So just be be cautious and going for that, uh, but please, yeah, after I get done speaking and then after that last song, we will come up here and grab buckets. We have less people in here because of covid this year than what we did last year but we have actually more basket buckets that we're giving away so feel free to take two or three or ten or whatever you have time to do today we'll end a little bit early so that we have time to do this so let's go ahead and pray as we get started with the lesson for for today heavenly father i thank you for this day i thank you for uh, your heart and the, the message behind uh, what you have today for us. God, I would pray that uh, we as a church would rise up where you call us to rise up, to care for those that you care for, to have a heart for those that you have a heart for. Lord, as I'm speaking today, I, I pray that your words would ring true and that any of my words or my own agenda would fall short, but that, God, people would hear from you and hear what you have to say for their lives. We thank you for all that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, as I was preparing for this message, as I was kind of getting ready for the day, uh, I, I told Rick that I would do this a couple of months ago. But then, I, as I'm really getting ready for it, I kept coming back to this one passage in Matthew 25. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But I just want I'm not, to, I'm not warning you necessarily, but this is not your, uh, you know, I was, I was a little unsure about it because this is not your regular Happy go lucky orphan Sunday message. I didn't. I didn't feel. I was like, Lord, is this really what what you're wanting me to talk about? And so, but I just. He just kept putting it on my heart. And so today we're going to be looking at Matthew 25. If you have notes with you, or if you have your Bible open up, um, but the notes will have all, it all on there too. But Matthew 25. But to understand before I get into what we're going to read about today, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of Matthew 24 because. It almost like they should be one chapter. They, they're so in sync here. But Matthew 24, verse 3, Jesus' disciples come to him and ask Jesus something really important. Their basic question is, Jesus, when are all these things that you're talking about going to take place? In other words, when are you coming back? Like We want to know when are you returning. And you know Jesus said all the uh, had just told them about all these things that are going to happen and they just wanted to know when is that this is a typical response this is something i have too like jesus if you could let me know let me in on this a little better and jesus spends the next the whole rest of chapter 24 and then all of chapter 25 answering this question but he doesn't really answer the question the way that they want you know jesus jesus has a way of doing this oftentimes he doesn't give us what we want but he gives us what we need right And so, Jesus instead, he he does kind of answer the question. He says, actually, only the Father even knows the day or the hour that I'll return. However, I want you to do something different. He spends most of his time actually telling the disciples instead of, it's almost like he's saying, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking, when am I coming back? And instead, you should ask, what to do in the waiting? What do I do while I'm waiting on you to return? And this is a great message for us today. This has been a year of waiting. I mean, we just got this election, I think, done with, uh, right? And, And COVID and quarantine. And, you know, this has been a time of waiting. And so this message is so relevant to us today, not just for orphan care, but just for our lives. Is what, Jesus, what do we do in the middle of the waiting? and he speaks to this very clearly. So we're going to read the very end of his response here. It's in Matthew 25. There's three parables in Matthew 25. And this last one, actually the scholars, scholars don't really say that this is a parable, even though it's listed as that in your Bible. Most scholars believe that this is an accurate foretelling of what is going to take place in the future. So I want you to just hone in onto this and to Jesus' words and what he is saying to us this morning as we begin reading. This is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Jesus says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Then these righteous ones, again, these are the sheep on the right side, goats on the left. We want to be sheep. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? In in other words, okay, so just kind of get this picture. This is the end of time. Jesus has returned. He is sitting on his throne in majesty and glory and splendor. And everybody at that time, there's no doubt who the king of kings is, right? He is in his rightful place, Jesus is. And he says to the sheep, you've really taken care of me when I was, you know, you fed me whenever. And and their response is, when did we do that? And I think, now this is me assuming something into it, but I think part of this is because they're thinking, Like, Jesus, look at you. I would have recognized you. I would have known, like, I just fed Jesus, everyone. (laughs) You know, that would have been a big deal. And I just visited Jesus in prison. And, like, surely, God, I would have seen you. I would have known that it was you. He goes on. And then the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now, part of me just kind of there's a part of me that wishes this would just kind of end there cuz that's like ah oh, that's that's great but jesus jesus has more to say about this then the king will return to those on the left and say away with you you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons for i was hungry and you didn't feed me i was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink i was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home i was naked and you didn't give me clothing i was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they have the exact same response. Then they reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? God, we would have seen that it was you. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't miss you in all of this, because I, I would have definitely served you. You know, we're, we're We, just as people, are more likely to serve people who we know can help us back a little bit, right? Uh, And so, like, Jesus, I would have noticed you, trust me. And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Whew! Happy Orphan Sunday, right? (laughs) What a what an uplifting message this is. You know, oftentimes the words of Jesus. You know, sometimes we we don't. I I think uh, we don't do a great job of picturing Jesus to people because we say Jesus is just just loving and graceful, and he is. But there's there's a lot that comes to following Jesus, and to get an accurate picture of that, it's reading the whole Bible. Some some of the words of Jesus are very hard to take in and to understand. And so these these words are just ones to sit and meditate on. And Jesus has a way of speaking to you and getting rid of all the fluff. Like, I'm going to push any distractions, anything that you might think, no, I'm going to get right down to what is most important and what you need to hear. Now, there's a lot of things you can take away from this section of Scripture. I have three takeaways from this, and you can follow along in your notes if you have them. But I I have my three takeaways, and I'm just going to kind of dive into these and um, we'll go through it. And again, I know there's a lot more to take away, but these are the three things that I just really felt like God put in my heart from reading this passage. And number one is Jesus wants participants, not spectators. Jesus wants participants, not spectators. And you might even say Jesus demands participants, not spectators. You cannot read the Bible and follow Jesus and you know, profess to be a Christian without serving those in need. It's, it's not in here. I've read it cover to cover. It's not in there. Uh, following Jesus is a commitment to serving the least of these. And it's a commitment to doing whatever he you know, puts in front of you, whatever God is calling you to do and telling you to do at that time. I remember a, a couple of years ago, It was probably about four years ago. I was playing basketball with my kids, and my oldest two, so they were probably, you know, eight or nine or nine and ten at that time. Right now, my kids are a little, my my oldest are getting bigger, and so, well, this is what I like to say. So, as a parent, maybe you can relate if you're a parent. I feel like even, especially as a dad, it's part of my responsibility to teach my kids how to lose, okay? Okay. That's right. I teach them how to lose. Mom, you can teach them how to win. I get to to teach them how to lose. You know what? Because you're going to lose a lot in life. And so it's just good to learn. And, you know, and that's the way I can trash talk to you a little bit. And no, no, I don't do any of that. But, you know, and so when your kids are really younger, I like to call this, like, when you play sports with them, it's just the dominating phase. Like, they don't stand a chance, right? And then they get a little bit older, and you have to start really trying. Like, you break a sweat whenever you're playing something. Then and now, my kids that uh, yeah my kids now my oldest ones they're in what I like to call uh, the cheating phase. Like for me to win, I just have to cheat. Okay, like I have to foul or something or throw an elbow, and because they're they're better than me at most things. But you know I don't do that though too often. But uh, you know my my kids at this time were a little younger, and it was my oldest two sons and then my daughter and we were playing basketball and so my oldest two sons were on one team and then me and my daughter on the other one and we played and after like the first play my daughter she's she's kind of she doesn't really care about what happens you know my sons are real competitive my daughter was just like "Uh, you know we can do whatever and she decides I'm not really going to play I'm going to sit on the side and keep score that's you know so she cheered me on and kept score and my sons though we played and you know I, y'all should have seen me, I had destroyed them, okay i was I was uh, you know, just any time and I was dunking the ball, I mean, the goal was like six and a half feet, but it, you know it, I was doing it though, okay it was it was awesome, okay, they didn't stand a chance, and so you know, rubbing it in a little bit, and we get to the end of the game, and the the, the thing that I remember about this is my daughter comes up to me and's like, "Dad, we won <laughs> I, we didn't do a whole lot. Like, you didn't do anything. You know, I, I mean, I let her have the victory. Okay, yeah, we, whatever, we won. I'm like, you didn't do anything. That was all me right there. And, you know, when it comes to sports and playing with your kids or whatever, really anything in this life, it doesn't really, I mean, that, didn't, that was okay. That didn't really matter. This is not what Jesus calls us to, to follow him. There's no, there's no sitting on the sidelines. Jesus wants to, us to be... Full on engaged participants. Even if we get out on the field and we have no idea what we're doing, we're out there. You know, we can expect Him to to take care of the rest, but saying yes to Him, there is no sideline Christianity. That does not exist. When you follow Jesus, Jesus' call to us is to come and die. Die to yourself, die to your life because you don't have it figured out. I know I don't. And give your life to me and follow me. All right. Point number two. We're good. We're on on this. We're following, tracking. Point number two. What is most important to Jesus or what is most important to us may not be most important to Jesus. What is most important to us may not be most important to Jesus. When I read through this section of scripture, I really am not surprised by a lot of the things that Jesus talks about in here. You know, because this was the life of Jesus and his ministry was really a lot about feeding those who are hungry and, you know, giving, you know, giving water to those who are thirsty, visiting people who are sick and in prison. That makes sense. I think, yeah, that, okay, I, I get that. What I really was surprised by this time in reading through this is what's not in there. I mean, just, just think for a second of the things that we as Christians who are in America what we put as super important and high up there on the list, even what churches do, you know, what we put up there, Jesus doesn't have a lot of of that on the list. Not that he doesn't think it's important, but it didn't make this list. So I want to go through some of these things. And again, it's not that these aren't important because they're talked about in the Bible, but they didn't make this list. Uh, For example, he didn't say, okay, the sheep on my right you know, those are the good ones. We want, to be, we want to be sheep, right? We don't want to be goats. The sheep, they were the best at reading their Bible. He, I mean, he didn't say it. They were the, the sheep at the right said the most holy of prayers or, well, you know, they prayed the most. The sheep on the right had excellent church attendance. You know, that's, that's, that's quality ter- church attendance every week, punching the clock, right? Uh, the sheep on the right, he didn't even actually talk about their sin, He doesn't even say, well, you know, the goats were super sinful over here. And the sheep, they rarely ever sinned, if at all. You know, they were very holy, very wonderful. None of that is even mentioned. Not that all of that isn't important. But Jesus cuts clear to what he believes is important in our lives and how we should live. And I think part of the reason he focused on these things is because these are the things that we can overlook You know, we can spend so much time in a small group or in a Bible study and in prayer, but if we don't go and love and serve the least of these, we are missing it. We're we're not following Jesus when we do that. We are called completely to serve those that the society and that the world overlooks. And Jesus makes that abundantly clear to us. Another verse that really kind of talks about this later. This is a very common verse used in talking about orphan care. This is the brother of Jesus, James, saying it later in James 127, and he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This word Religion in here is almost, almost a better word for it, is a combination of like religious worship. So if you think of it this way, like this religious worship, the worship that we have to God, our Father, that is pure and faultless. So it's, another word for pure and faultless is perfect. If you want to have perfect worship to God, then look after orphans and widows. And... Make sure to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The orphans and widows, these are, you may wonder, why why are orphans and widows in there? And if you look through the Old Testament, uh, orphans and widows and actually foreigners are added to that often, often. Because the reason I believe is because these were the least of these. These are the people who needed the most help. Widows, very different in this culture and this time than now in this culture, if you did not have a man that you were connected to as either your father or your husband, then by cultural standards, you were looked down on. That's not what James is saying. James isn't saying that's what we should do. It. He's actually saying the opposite of that, is that these are the ones you need to look after, the ones that society overlooks. And so that's why we do this. And this is why, even as a church, I want to make sure we get this right as a church, because there's a lot of churches, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about any in particular, I don't have any in mind, I'm just, there are a lot of churches that you can tell right away what it is that they view as most important, and I don't ever want to get that wrong, I mean, I want to have great worship here, and great preaching, and you may think that's not that great right now anyways, and that's okay, but you're like, we, we want to have great ministries and stuff, but if we're doing that on Sunday and then the rest of the week we're ignoring the least of these in our community that God puts right in our way, then we are missing it. And so we as a church want to take that, that as a priority. Is how do we serve the ones God has put in our path today? How do we do this well? And I just want to say, we as a church are really making progress in this. I, I really do believe that. Not that we don't have a long ways to go. I have a long ways to go. But we really have made some progress in this. I was so proud of our church. The other, this was probably um, a month ago even, some of the staff met with uh, the contractor who's working on our building. And, you know, for Hurricane Sally, and we've got a crazy amount of damage everywhere. Uh, And so we were meeting with him, and we were kind of just getting to know him because this person's about to do a lot of work on the building possibly and so it's like well we want to get to know him just make sure he doesn't live here you know it's, you know you got to check those things out that's okay and he wanted to get to know us some too but we were sitting in the meeting and after we had talked for almost an hour he said you know one of the reasons that i wanted to come and work for your church and i wanted this job in particular is because y'all are famous and i said finally somebody realizes it no, no sorry sorry no, I'm sorry sorry we kind of all looked at each other like, what are you talking about? You don't know who we are, obviously. He said, no, y'all are famous. My And he has, I don't remember, it was a family member that works for FFN. And FFN is Family's First Network. They're over the foster care here in Escambia in our four counties around here. And he said, y'all are the church that is known for foster care and the way that you love our, your community and you support people who are in, just in difficult places. And I thought, man, that is awesome. Like, I, I know we haven't made it yet, and there's, there's work to be done, but I was so thankful that that's what he knew us for. It's like, way to go. That's a win right there, you know. That was exciting. That, that's because of the work that you have done and the generosity that you have done, which shows itself in incredible ways. I mean, it shows itself right here with the, these buckets on the stage, each one representing a family that we are going to get to go and serve today. And so thank you for being that, because this is so important, so important to the heart of God, and it's throughout the whole Bible, so important to God's plan. Okay, I want to move on. I want to move on to number three so we have enough time. Uh, The church is God's plan A for orphan care. The church is plan A from God for orphan care. I'll just tell you this, there is no plan B. That's it. Jesus put us here in this place to do this. I had a friend of mine in Atlanta who was a little bit younger than I am. And it, when I was there and he was in high school, uh, I knew him later than that, but I, I got to hear this from him. And uh, when he was in high school, he was about a sophomore or junior, he went on a mission trip to Honduras. And he, they were in Tegucigalpa, and I might be saying that wrong, so just forgive me if I am. Uh, but they were there building houses, and one of the days while they were there, the guide told them, hey, I want to take y'all out to the dump. And so he went out to the dump, and he didn't realize, oh, this is like, an, like a, the dump. This is really what th- this is. It's a dump. And it, it was the dump for the city, and he was so appalled by what he saw, is that people were fighting and Competing even with the animals there for the scraps to salvage anything they could out of the dump. Finding food there that they could. And he, he was just completely distraught over this. He ended up going back home and talking to one of his church leaders and later. And he just said, look, I, I still have this on my mind. And I am, I'm torn up about this. And I'm really kind of upset with God about it. Like, how, how can God say that he loves us and then have people that are doing this? And the church leader in their wisdom said well you know maybe God is showing this to you because you're supposed to do something about it and so I don't know if he liked that answer right away maybe he didn't but he ended up doing something about it he decided to kind of take a stand and do that so he started initially it started him and some of his friends that went with him would not eat lunch at school and they would send the money over that was like they're we're gonna save even if it's only five dollars a day we're gonna we're gonna do that and send that money over And then he started, he realized, well, this isn't going to be enough, and I want to do it for a certain amount of time. And so he started going and speaking at different churches, and he was not the greatest speaker. I'm just telling you, he was, it was kind of all over the place a little bit, but man, he was passionate about it, and, and it was, it was really awesome what he did, and ended up raising thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm like, this guy's a junior in high school, because he saw, and somebody pointed out to him that actually, this is you as the church. You have this burden to step into this, and that's where we are. We have this burden, this responsibility as the church, as followers of Jesus, to look after the least of these. And I'll just tell you this: there's every reason and excuse in the book to not get involved in in it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times we have that, and I think Jesus just wants us to push all that aside and to trust him and to dive in to what he has in store now here's what this doesn't mean I don't think this means that every person in here is supposed to you know adopt a bunch of kids or go into foster care or go into a go to a third world country and serve there but it means that probably some of us are you know, that's that I feel like that's between you and God. I can't I can't tell you that. But I, I know not every person is part of the reason I know this, my wife and I are have been foster parents for a while. And we've had the opportunity to we've we've had a lot of kids in our home. And the only reason that we've been able to do even a piece of what we've done is because of you. Because the church has supported us in such incredible ways. We've had people cook us meals and do laundry and babysit kids and those things that May seem kind of mundane to other people, are so. In, were, I mean, they were life saving to us. I remember one time we have uh, somebody who brings us dinner. Still, they may not want me to call them out just to brag on them, but I, I, I won't say their name then. Anyways, but they they came and they're like, "I'm so sorry, I'm late." And they, st- they you know still bringing us every Tuesday night right now, bringing us. You know, they're like, "I'm so sorry, I'm late." And, and so they're a surgeon, just to tell you that, and, and I, I was in surgery, and I thought, oh, no, I got to bring the house a meal tonight, and I was like, please don't do that, okay, like, we can figure out a meal, like, when you're, but it was so important to them, and i man, I'm so honored by that, and so I don't know what it is, I can't tell you exactly, I wish I could just had, like, a, a you know, a spreadsheet of, like, okay, you're supposed to do this, and you're supposed to, you know, God, if, that would be great to have, but, I do know that God is calling us to something, and a lot of us have really responded to that, and we have stepped up in a big way, but there's still work to be done in our community and for the people around us, for these, for the least of these. And so what is it that God is calling you to do? I, I really want this. I have this prayer here, and I want this to really be, this is kind of my challenge for you, is to begin to pray this. As we're celebrating Orphan Sunday today to, to leave. Maybe write this down and just let this be your prayer. But I want you to be careful praying it because it will happen. So the, the prayer, God, our Father, I will do whatever you call me to do to care for orphans and vulnerable children. God, whatever you have in store, I, I will do it. I'm here. And in advance, Jesus, my answer is yes to whatever you have in store for us. Now this is kind of a scary prayer because you don't know what that could be and I I don't know. But here's what I do know is that following Jesus into an area that you're uncomfortable with or afraid of or you don't feel equipped for is the time when you will learn to rely on Him the most and is the time when you will find incredible, incredible joy in Him. I want to encourage you to do this. I'm going to pray this for us even as we, we close out and I just want to land with, on one thing, really. You know, part of the reason this is so important to us is because it's so important to Jesus. The other reason that this is so important to us is because we, too, were once orphans, right? If you know your Bible, you know that we, too, were once orphans, but we have been adopted by God. So when we go and care for orphans and we go and care for the least of these, we are just doing a small portion of what Jesus has already done for us. It's just a way to be thankful and to see that come, come to life, right? Now, if you have never experienced that before, if you're somebody who's here, maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you're here for the hundredth time and you've really never given your life to God, you, you don't, you're like, I don't, am I adopted by God? You don't, you don't really understand all that. Today is a day that you, the day you can make that decision and say yes to Jesus, to give your life to Him. And that's really all it is, is saying, Lord, I need you I can't do it on my own I surrender I want all of you if today that's on your heart or in your mind or you've said that today or you, you, you just want to know what next steps are you wanna, you're interested in baptism or anything like I, I just want to know what to do next we want to have a conversation with you about that there's uh, cards in the backs of your pews you can fill out and leave in the orange baskets if you're online and you've made that decision we want to know about that too message us online and we will be in touch with you it's the greatest decision you can ever make. So if you have made that decision, though, and today you're sitting here and like, okay, God, what's next? This, this is it for you. I, I, I want you to, this is my really challenge for you to take with you. It's to be in prayer and be open to whatever God has in store for you. Whatever it is, I say yes. Whatever you have.